This is a Squiz podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. There are set to be four different vaccines available to Australians in the coming year. If you're anything like us, constant reporting about AstraZeneca and Pfizer has meant things can often get confusing. And now there are two more to consider. So in this shortcut, we stop, we step it back, and for each vaccine that will become available to Australians, we talk through how the deal to get them here was done, how they're funded, who can get what, and how the rollout is tracking. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Let's dive straight in, Claire. Australia has contracts for four vaccines. Those are known as the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine, Moderna and Novovax. The first three have been provisionally approved by the Therapeutic Goods Administration. The TGA will refer to them as, and Novovax is currently under evaluation. So let's go through them one by one, starting with the first one to get that provisional approval in Australia. That's the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. The effort to make that vaccine started in mid-January last year, just after reports surfaced that an unknown infectious disease was breaking out in China. An immunologist named Teresa Lam got a message from a Chinese researcher who disagreed with China's refusal at that point to share the genetic code of the disease outside of that country. She then got an email with the information. It was a Saturday morning. She was still in her PJs and she got to work. Working with Lamb was Oxford vaccinologist Professor Sarah Gilbert. Newswatchers might remember that both women received Queen's Honours this year and Gilbert was the one who received standing ovation at Wimbledon earlier in the year. It was March 2020 that they had their first batch of the vaccine. And there was a lot of interest from the UK government, from the World Health Organisation and from around the world about what Oxford was working on. During that time, they started to have those commercial discussions with partners because they needed someone to manufacture and also distribute the vaccine. Uh, they ultimately partnered with AstraZeneca, which is an Anglo-Swedish company. With a catch, that they do so not for profit while the pandemic is ongoing. Yeah, and they've honoured that. And if you're wondering why a commercial company would agree to that, there's some money that could be made once the pandemic is over and certainly if annual boosters are needed. That vaccine has been widely referred to here in Australia as AstraZeneca or AZ, but Claire, it's having a name change. Yeah, it is. It's now going to be called Vaxzevria. The company has asked the TGA to approve the rebrand because that's what the vaccine is called in European countries and also in Canada. And if there's an international vaccine passport, it's important that the names are the same. Vax Zevria it is, though we're not out of the habit of calling it AstraZeneca. So let's continue that way for the purpose <laughs> of this shortcut. AZ has had its controversy, Claire, especially here in Australia, blood clotting. Yeah, it has. But the risk of getting a blood clotting condition after vaccination with the AstraZeneca vaccine is very low, like one in a million, mm. uh, though the risk does increase the younger you are. Uh, that aside, Oxford University says that one 
billion doses have been released. So it's a popular one. It certainly is. That's the worldwide number. And that's something that's often pointed to when you find yourself in a conversation about that blood clotting. People say, it's fine. The whole of the UK have got it. Yeah, (laughs) which isn't entirely true. Uh, The only vaccine currently approved for under 18s in the UK is the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. Uh, A lot of people aged under 40 are being offered an alternative to the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine due to evidence of that link to the blood clots. Uh, But still, a lot of the UK has had AZ. A lot. Let's come back home now, though. AstraZeneca was the first one made available here. It's still available, and that's because it's the one we were able to make. So we have a fair bit of it. Yeah, we do. Our government signed up to 3 million AstraZeneca doses to be shipped here to begin with, and then 50 million doses were set to be able to be manufactured here in Australia by CSL, which is almost enough for every man, woman and child. In Australia, it's not recommended for everyone, though. No, as it stands, a TAGI, which is the mob that gives advice on who should have what vaccine, has said that for people 60 years and over, the benefits of vaccination with the AstraZeneca vaccine outweighs the risks. So recommended for them. What about under 60s? Well, this is the wording, right? Uh, The COVID-19 AstraZeneca vaccine can be used in adults aged under 60 years where the benefit clearly outweighs the risk for that individual and the person has made an informed decision (laughs) based on an understanding of the risks and benefits. So what that means is if you're 18 to 59 years of age, you can choose to receive the AstraZeneca vaccine after you've seen a doctor or if you provide verbal or written consent. Which is why with outbreaks and the like, the federal government is urging people, especially in areas with high case numbers, to get AstraZeneca. What about under 18s though? It's a really hot topic at the moment. No one is recommending AstraZeneca for that age group. Takes us to the Pfizer vaccine. Claire, let's get into that now. After January last year in Germany, biotech firm BioNTech, it's a bit confusing, clocked that the coronavirus outbreak in China was going to be a whole thing. Yeah, Dr. Shahin is a German scientist. He's the founder and chief executive of BioNTech. And after looking at those reports out of China, he summonsed his board to announce that the company was going to start working on a COVID vaccine. Mm. The way he's told it, there was a lot of pushback because people were on their winter holidays, they were off in the snowfield skiing. <laughs> And there were early reports that were very sketchy. But Shahin and his wife, Dr. Terezi, who is the company's chief medical officer, insisted that it had to be done. It was a longer process for BioNTech than it was for AstraZeneca, though. Yeah, and that's because it uses what's called mRNA technology to produce medicines. And it's a very new development. It wasn't until October that BioNTech had partnered with Pfizer, which is a big American pharmaceutical company. Uh, Also trickier is the financial arrangement. Pfizer, unlike several rival manufacturers of vaccines, uh, which decided to forego profits, is actually making money on that vaccine. It's controversial because German taxpayers actually put up $600 million to fund BioNTech's work. 
For Pfizer's part, they said they've not opted to take federal funds in the US to support the development of the vaccine. And their argument is they've invested in finding a solution to this global pandemic. And that investment in taking a punt on a new vaccine will benefit people around the world for years to come. It's been a fruitful exercise for Pfizer. Yeah, it has. The vaccine has brought in US $3.5 billion in revenue for the first three months of this year. That's about a quarter of its total revenue. So Mm. On the other hand, critics say it's a shameless grab for hundreds of millions of dollars of profit. That aside, the Pfizer vaccine, at least in Australia, gets a really good rap. It hasn't had the same issues as AstraZeneca on who can or should have it. Yeah, it hasn't had that sort of feedback and it's the most widely administered vaccine in the US for that reason. Uh, But it's proven to be a bit difficult for Australia to get its hands on. Initially, we had 10 million shots on order and when things went a little bit skew-if with the AstraZeneca blood clotting stuff as it gained momentum, uh, Pfizer became uh, the really hot shot. So the scramble to find more was on. The hot shot, hey? (laughs) You're talking about the 1 million Pfizer shots that came to us from Poland. That's got to take some explaining. (laughs) Yeah, well, you could be forgiven for seeking an explanation on that. (laughs) Uh, The government's been hitting the phones to find more supply of Pfizer and Poland had a million for sale after its vaccination rate slowed. Thank you, Poland. Poland to the rescue. But really, Claire, the issue isn't that we aren't getting Pfizer. Since the start of the year, 30 million additional doses were sourced and then their delivery was sped up. So we're due for 40 million this year. The problem is they really weren't coming fast enough. That's right. And after a lot of concern, Prime Minister Scott Morrison said they'd be coming home strong and really fast in this last quarter of this year. And already they're starting to roll in at a rate of about a million doses a week. So we should start to see Pfizer availability increase. What about eligibility? Look, it's the official experts who say that it's fine for anyone aged over 16 years and the TGA is looking into it at the moment for children aged 12 to 15 years. But because of the limited supply, it's mainly been reserved at the start of this vaccination rollout for vulnerable groups. So we're talking about people with underlying health conditions, frontline workers, those in aged care and more recently pregnant women. And just this week, Australians aged 12 years and over who are on the National Disability Insurance Scheme, they're going to be eligible to receive Pfizer vaccines as well. That concludes our shortcut on those two vaccines, Claire. They've had, as we say, by far the most airtime here in Australia, but there's more coming. There's two more, in fact, Moderna and Novavax. Let's get across them. So Moderna is an American company that develops and manufactures its COVID vaccine. It was another one that was onto it fairly early. And like Pfizer, it also produces a vaccine that's made using that mRNA technology. It's also making a profit from its vaccine. Yeah, it is. Moderna has a market capitalization of US $166 billion. That's up from about $7 billion before the pandemic. So the vaccine's really been a game changer for that company. Novavax is another American biotech company. Yeah, and Novavax is a really interesting one. It's never actually brought a product to market before, and it's benefited from billions of dollars in funding that former US President Donald Trump put into what was called Operation Warp Speed. That was his program to get vaccinations up and developed 
ASAP. Novavax is also a for-profit outfit. So by all accounts, its execs are making some pretty good coin at the moment as the value of that company soars. Operation Warp Speed, only in America, I think, that one. (laughs) As far as Australia goes, Moderna, when is it coming? So the first doses are expected to arrive in September. Of the 25 million doses that we've bought, 10 million doses will be dispatched this year. A further 15 million doses will come as boosters in the first half of 2022. It's been approved for people aged over 18 years and the TGA is also looking into whether it's suitable for kids. And the idea is that Moderna will be administered via pharmacies and other sort of community services. As for Novavax, it hasn't been cleared by the TGA yet, but the first of the 51 million doses we have ordered are expected next year as part of that booster program. Before we finish up, Claire, how many vaccines has Australia actually managed to get our hands on? How many are actually here, either used or set to be used? Yeah, very simple questions, but they're pretty complicated (laughs) answers. And look, what we know is that across Australia, 17 million doses have been administered and Reports say that Australia has a stockpile of about 6 million, mostly AstraZeneca vaccines. Uh, So we've had about 23 million delivered. As a percentage of the population, more than 50% of eligible Australians have had at least one dose of the vaccine. More than 30% are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. There's a lot of moving pieces in this complex puzzle, but for now, for today, that's your shortcut to understanding the vaccines available to Australians. On to our recommendations. Each episode of Squiz Shortcuts, we give a recommendation on some further reading, listening or watching. I've got a link to a report this week from the ABC about children and the vaccines, really topical at the moment, and it might help put some parents' minds at ease. Yeah, any of my mates with kids are just talking about it a lot at the moment. Yeah, uh, There's some very big money attached to the development of these vaccines, and I've got a link to a story about a Canadian scientist named Ian McLaughlin. He's the person who is most responsible responsible for the development of what makes that mRNA technology work, but his work hasn't been formally recognised by Pfizer or Moderna or any of the others using it. So there's a very big legal battle that's pending. So I've got a link to that story. A global pandemic is a never-ending story, isn't it? We're going to be talking about it for years and years and years and years (laughs) to come and all the different pieces that fit together to make it a thing. Yeah, we sure will. Thanks for listening to this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts. Of course, as always, if you'd like us to do a shortcut on something, send us an email, hello at thesqueeze.com.au. We're always up for suggestions. Have a good week. We'll be back next week. 